0: But again, I'm starting a new series called The Why Behind the What. And this whole series is driven by a problem that it is not just a uniquely like Christian problem. It's like a person, like it's an us problem. It's actually, I think, more of like an American culture problem. Okay? And the problem is this. I, I kind of put it into words like this that most people most of us may have an idea of like the what in their lives and and i what I talk about in the next couple of minutes I don't want you to vilify I'm not trying to like talk down about these things they're not innately bad things it's just that this what whatever it might be we have an idea of what the what is but we tend to be uninformed or indifferent or confused about the why right And this could be good things. It can be also difficult things. For instance, it could be, like, you probably see us a lot on Facebook, right? To where, like, people know the what that they're arguing about, but they don't really know why they believe what they believe. Nod your head if you're with me, right? Or it can also be, like, a dangerous thing. Like, how would you feel if you had, like, a trainer, like a personal trainer who understood the what? They want to help you get in shape. They want to help you be healthier, but they don't understand why the things that they're doing are affecting you the way that they are. Does that make sense? Like, you wouldn't want a personal trainer who doesn't understand nutrition, right? You wouldn't want someone who's teaching you at school to not know why they're teaching you and not know why behind the things they're trying to teach you. Does that make sense? And so what's, what's unfortunate um, is that this is something we see in all areas of life. And I, I think uh, I'm try, I've tried to put some bones around this to give us some structure for a conversation over the next couple weeks. And, and I think we start with this. The what, okay? What you believe. Now, regardless of what we're talking about, we're going to talk about the context of our faith, but I think you applies to anything in life. But what you believe determines your direction, like the way you're going to go. And I think it's even not just direction, but the way that you're perceived. What it is determines how you're perceived or the direction you're heading in. For instance, let's go back to like the health thing. Like I want to be a healthier person. I want to be known as a healthy person. Person, right? Not a bad thing, but once I decide on the what, it's going to dictate how I come off to people, right? If I want to be a leader, right, then it's going to dictate how I come off to people, the direction that I set myself in. I want to be, be a follower in Christ. It's going to dictate the things that I do, the direction that I head in. Does that make sense? The what determines our direction, but the why, what it does is it reveals, it exposes our integrity, our integrity that which is something you can't really see. Right? The perception, you can have a sense of someone's integrity, but you can't really see it at face value. The why, why you believe what you believe, right? why you believe whatever it might be. I want to be a healthier person. I believe in this. I believe in being a leader. I believe in doing X, Y, and Z. Right? Why you believe will reveal your integrity. Because if you have an idea of the what but you don't have a good understanding of the why, it's a mile wide and an inch deep. Nod your head if you're with me. And that's a difficult place to be. Okay, think about it personally for a second, okay? Think of something in your life where you knew the what. It was something you wanted to be known for, a hobby, an activity, an identity, whatever it might be. You knew the what, but the why wasn't really important. You weren't different. You didn't really know a whole lot about it. You didn't really care about knowing the why behind the what, you with me? Like for me, And this this might be surprising for some of you, but especially when I was growing up, like in my formative years in middle school kind of area, middle school, high school, it was music, okay? And if you know me, music's a big part of my life. Like that's just kind of part of who I am. But I had this desire, my what was to be the music guy. When people thought of it, I wanted to be that person people thought about, does that make sense? But it's very hard like to know the why, the theory, the history, all the different music bands, things like that, it takes a lot of work to be up on that. And I'm lazy, so I didn't want to do the work. So I was a mile wide, an inch deep. Does that make sense? I was good enough to come off to be perceived as a person who was like the music person. I could go in that direction where I was the music person, right? But when I had my friends who'd be like, hey, have you heard about this band? I would constantly be like, yeah, I love that band. They're great. I had no clue what I was talking about. There was no why to sustain the what. Now, over time, I learned that lesson and sometimes painfully because I'd get embarrassed or something would happen in my life because, I mean, that's called growing up, right? And I would see that happen, and and I've learned that the why is just as important as the what. And in any worthy endeavor in life, we have to focus on the why behind the what. And unfortunately, I, I feel like this is, and the reason we're talking about this is because I feel like I'm just talking about the Christian church in America, that we've put so much emphasis on what we believe but we've done a really terrible job of understanding why we believe it. Nod your head if you're with me. And a lot of times what that does is it builds a perception of living a certain way or being a certain way or being understood as a certain kind of person. But when the rubber meets the road and difficulty happens, you struggle or something happens, you don't have the why to sustain the what of your beliefs. And as I was looking around, I found this study that I was Simultaneously, really interesting and incredibly depressing. Um, And it's called The State of Theology. And they've been doing this for several years from Lifeway Research. And they've been doing this this, uh, from what it seems like. They've been kind of conducting the same study over the course of like five, two year periods over time to kind of see how trends are progressing with ideas and beliefs for uh, American adults. It's kind of how they they state it. And if you want to see that, you could screenshot this, we'll have it online. Um, You can read the whole study. It's very interesting. They break it down in a lot more detail. I'm going to really condense it for what we're talking about today. But really what it comes down to, there's this this one sentence that haunted me as I read this study. as one of their conclusions. And one of their conclusions said this. It says that overall, U.S. adults appear to have a superficial attachment to well-known Christian beliefs. A superficial attachment. Superficial attachment meaning like, Yeah, yeah, yeah. I believe this. Why do you believe that? I don't know. My pastor told me to. I don't know. I grew up with it in Sunday school. I don't know. Just straight up, I don't know. And that's a really tough pill to swallow for people who are looking for truth, for people who are looking for substance. The word, uh, uh, there's a lot of uh, uh, oh man, the word's escaping me right now, but where people are breaking down what they believe and why they believe it, right? And that's a good, that's a good practice when you're seeking the why rather than just seeking for things that are wrong in the, the problem. And when people come to other Christians for answers and understanding, a lot of times I feel like there's a tendency to push it off onto your pastor. Like, oh, go to the professional Christian. They'll tell you what to think. They'll tell you why to believe what you believe. But we've kind of negated that responsibility for us understanding the why behind what we believe, and it's produced a perception that Christians don't really believe anything. They say they believe that, but I don't know if they really do. And there's some other things in here. These are some, some, some quotes from the, the report itself. It um, said, uh, they, people, so U.S. adults, rejected teaching, uh, the Bible's teaching, on the gravity of man's sin, meaning like that sin's actually a big deal, Right? They rejected that teaching. They rejected the Bible's teaching that the import or of the importance of the church's gathering together for worship, for doing this. That that's not a big deal. That doesn't matter, or it's not vital. Uh, another one was just the Holy Spirit in general, just the idea of the Holy Spirit. In fact, it goes on and says, for example, more than two thirds or 69 percent of Americans disagree that the smallest sin deserves eternal damnation, meaning that even like. Uh, the idea that what the Bible teaches about sin, which we're going to talk about in a minute, they they reject that teaching, that it deserves that. And actually, even of that, 58% strongly disagree. So that, no, 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 that's not what I believe at all. And that's really concerning because that's not what the Bible teaches us. It goes on to say, a majority of U.S. adults, 58%, said that worshiping alone or with one's family is a valid replacement for regular attending church. And only 30% disagreed with that statement. Only 30% in their findings. And a majority of U.S. adults, 59%, say that the Holy Spirit is a force or a feeling rather than a personal being. And that is so dangerous. We're, We're putting ourselves in a place where, because we're not focusing on the why behind what we believe, we're putting ourselves in a situation as believers, as followers of Christ, to where we're walking a certain walk But we have nothing to support that because we don't understand the why behind the what we believe. So again, to restate it, our what is going to set our direction, our intention. Our what what we believe, being a Christian, being a Christ follower, is going to set our direction. It's going to set how we're perceived. However, our why is going to support that, and it will reveal our integrity. And what I hope to do over over the course of this series, I hope we come to a place where we're able to this is, this is not a take a pill and you're done. Kind of like I was talking about with music. It's not like you just figure it out and now I know everything and now I'm good. There's a pursuit. There's a reason why it's called discipleship and, and the root word and there is discipline, right? There's, there's a discipline to it that we practice and we grow in our, our understanding of the why for the what we believe. And so to start uh, each week over the next couple weeks, we're going to take a couple different big rock beliefs when it comes to the Christian faith. And break down not just what it is, but more specifically, why we believe these things, why we hold them to be true in our lives as followers of Christ. So this morning, what we're going to be focusing on, the what for this morning, is we're going to be talking about salvation and eternal security. Salvation and eternal security. Now, if you've been around the church for any amount of time, you've heard the salvation word. Like, that's the, yes, I want salvation. We're going to share. I want, like, that's a big churchy word. You don't really get that in a whole lot of places. And maybe you've never even heard the concept of eternal security. But what I I hope to do in our time this morning is maybe to give you some words and a framework that you can start to build on the why for yourself, for why you understand, why you believe what you believe about salvation and eternal security for yourself. So when we say salvation, what do we mean? Essentially, when you boil it down, the concept or understanding of salvation is it's a deliverance from sin and its consequences, okay? Deliverance from sin and its consequences. not just being delivered from sin, but it's all the results and the effect of sin as well. And eternal security, what I mean by that is the doctrine, okay, the doctrine that God's grace and power, okay? That God's grace and power, not our works, not the stuff that we do, guarantees our salvation through Jesus. So we have two concepts here. We have salvation, which is the deliverance from sin and its consequences. Then we have eternal security. What holds us in is not the fact that we did enough, that we tried hard enough, that we stayed on the straight and narrow, and now we receive uh, uh, salvation. No, no, no. It's God's grace and his power that secures us through Jesus Christ. And the why really rests on this. So let's, let's focus on this. The why this morning, as Christians, our why must, must, must be defined by God's word. Because if it's not, then I'm just supplying the what with more of my own reasoning, with more of my own conjurings. And this is how we end up with you know, those social media warriors who are just bringing out like their best hot takes on why they believe what they believe. And there's a lot of people who are really good at talking. I would consider myself a good person talking to where like I can just continue to add and add and add and add. But if you don't use substance in the, in the framework of a Christian belief, that is the Bible and our experience with the Holy Spirit. If we don't supply our why with that, then all we're doing is just talking more and more, We're just adding more and more words. We're not really developing our why behind the what. So when it comes to salvation, I want to talk about our situation, our reality, okay, this is why salvation matters to us. Because our reality is this, that God is holy. That's a church word, right? Holy simply means set apart. Different, higher, set apart, right? Holy means set apart. So God is holy and perfect and blameless, okay? Man, you and me, are sinful, and the study I referenced a second ago, it talked about how even the smallest sin deserves eternal damnation. They said people rejected that teaching. Where the Bible teaches us that that's just not, not the case. And because sin separates us from God, and I want you to get a really clear picture of this, because it's not that God is holy and dainty and can't, oh, yucky sin, I can't be close to that. That's not what it is. It's not how it separates us from God. What it does is God is holy and set apart, and sin pulls us From God, it makes us incapable of being close to God, and even the smallest, like the one thing, the one little piece of sin, whatever it might be. I mean, you define that yourself. Like, I feel like we get too caught up in like trying to figure out like what is a sin? Is this a sin? Is that a sin? Like, shut up! It's not. That's not what it's about. The fact is, like, we sin. Bottom line, that's what it is. Okay, even the smallest pieces, and even the smallest piece of sin separates us from God we see this in the Bible where it talks about this. This is Romans 3. We're going to spend a lot of time in Romans 3, especially for a salvation piece, because there's so much good stuff from Paul in Romans. It says, as the scriptures say, no one is righteous, not even one. That's the conceit of the understanding of the, the condition of man is that we are sinful, and that separates us from God. Again, in Romans, further in that chapter in verse 23, it says, for everyone has sinned, and we all fall short of God's glorious standard. God is holy. God's glorious standard. He is holy. We are sinful. It separates us. We can't do anything to bridge that gap for ourselves. You with me? That's our reality. That is the truth of our situation as people, as man. Now, what God did in that. God understands that. God sees that. That starts from the beginning. I mean, when he, set up, when he set up the Garden of Eden, when he set up uh, Adam and Eve, he set up a perfect community. He set up a perfect situation, a perfect relationship. And man, Adam and Eve ruined that. We, you might have heard that story if you grew up in the church. If not, turn to the front of your Bible, start reading, you'll get to it real quick. That's the reality of man, that we have ruined that relationship and separated ourselves from that. God sees us in our sinfulness, and in that, what he did is he sent Jesus. And Jesus died to deliver us from sin and all its consequences, to reconcile us back to God. God is holy. We are sinful. There's no way in between. That is where Jesus comes in to bridge the gap, to reconcile, to bring us back together because there's nothing... We could have done in our own selves to bridge that gap he delivered us from sin and all the consequences of it in romans 3 this is verse 24 can i continue on he says yet god in his grace freely makes us right and he sought he did not have to do this this is not something he's forced to do there's nothing compelling him other than his power his holiness and his love for us to do this in that he did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of sin, or penalty for our sins. And for God presented Jesus as a sacrifice for sin. We're separate from God. There's no way for us to come together. God provides Jesus as the reconciliation. He delivers us from sin, provides salvation through Jesus. In fact, I say it like this. We receive salvation, oh, go, keep going. We receive salvation by putting our faith in Jesus. That's all that's asked of us. That's, when we look into the scriptures, that's what it says. It's not about trying hard enough. It's not about coming to God good enough with enough, like, I got enough good gold stars and check marks that now, hey, did I, did I level up to being Jesus enough? Like, is that how? No. What we see is this, Is again, continuing on. It says, people are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding His blood. Now, this is really good. Like this passage in Romans 3 gives us a really clear understanding of our condition. Everyone has sinned. No one is good enough. Like we've we've put ourselves in that position just by being existing as man. That's the condition. God is holy, we are sinful, it's separated. God provides Jesus as a way to reconcile us, delivering us from sin. But I think it's it's good while this is really good framework and understanding. I think it's always good to actually hear from Jesus in his own. Words Like, this isn't just someone making this up. This is actually God in flesh, Christ Jesus, recording this to us in the gospel. And this, again, this is probably, probably you've, you've got in the back of your head that you've heard a million different times before. But this morning, I want to take a moment just for you to think of this as a brand new thing you've never seen before. So wipe the memory from your head, all the sports games you've ever seen in your life, all the signs you've seen held up. There's a reason why John three sixteen is a verse that we put forward so often because it's a simple declaration of christ's intent for us and it says this this is jesus's words he says for this is how god loved the world that he gave his only one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life and verse 17 goes on says god sent his son to the world not to judge the world but to save the world through him. We believe in this concept of salvation, that we're able to be delivered from sin and all its consequences because that's what Jesus said is our reality. We understand where we are, how we're separated from God, but the reason why we believe that there is salvation available to you and me and anybody that's ever existed, why it's available to us freely. I mean, look, the language is there. God so loved the world that he did this and so that everyone who believes in him, there's no conditions being made here, even though I feel like we have a tendency, especially if you look in the Bible, there's a lot of like rule follower type people, you know what I'm saying? And there's people today who who want to set up a construct around this of like, well, you know, if you do this and do this and do this, then you can get salvation. That's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that everyone who puts their faith in Christ Jesus has access to which is this free gift of grace that is salvation. That is why we believe salvation is available to all people. Now, let's take that for a moment. We understand that as a concept, that it's available to us uh, uh, regardless of where we are, where you've been, what you've walked through. Salvation is available to each and every person. Now, once you've received salvation, once you put your faith in Christ, let's say you, you take the moment to receive that free gift of grace, and now you're moving forward. You have that direction. You have that what in your life. Now, what if you mess up? Let me rephrase that. What happens when I'm going to mess up? Because it's not a matter of if. Because I feel like where we went wrong, uh, especially when I was growing up, and over probably the past 30, 50 years, there's been a real swing in church, okay? Meaning we've gone from a heavy, heavy emphasis on Christian education and We had a lot of the why behind the what, but it wasn't fun. I didn't like that so much. It's, it wasn't my favorite. I didn't like going to this Christian education hour or the Sunday school. You with me? We had a lot of this, right? And so as people grew up, and, and now the people who were going through that are now the ones who are helping to lead the church. They're like church should be more fun. Let's go over here and let's do this. And there's an ign- 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 not a ignoring of this, but it's a less value on this, so we have less of the why and more of like the what. The what's fun, it's awesome. You know what I'm saying? So a lot of people think it's a diametrically opposed thing. You're one or the other. And I say that's bull. That's just not true. That's not I mean go look at Kid Street right now. Your kids every freaking week are getting something that's super fun and super solid in Bible teaching. Every week. That's what we try to accomplish here to where it's something that's engaging for us, but we're also getting a lot of the why behind the what. Now, once we have this understanding of what salvation is and why we believe it, again, we, we talk about how do we sustain that going forward. Well, i got to try hard enough and i got to keep that salvation because if I don't keep it, then I'm in a bad spot. But that's, again, not a biblical doctrine. That's where eternal security comes in. Eternal security, again, is that doctrine that teaches us that it's God's grace and His power, not our ability to do enough nice things, or think good thoughts, or be a good person. That's not what sustains our uh, eternal salvation. It's his power, and it's his grace. We see this all throughout the Bible. Let's look at Ephesians real quick. This is Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4.30 says this, and do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. So there is a encouragement to live rightly, to like have a life where we try to be more like Jesus every day in our expression as we live, we're not, And there's a ton of scriptures that talk about we're not saved so that we can just do whatever we want, so we can just live in the flesh. In fact, what happens when we receive salvation, we also receive the Holy Spirit. And we're going to see in these passages how the Holy Spirit is the one who helps to encourage and counsel us along the way so we can be more and more like Jesus. So there is the recognition of that. But he says, remember, he has identified you as his own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. Let's go to John and continue on this conversation. It says, I, and this is again Jesus' words, I will give them eternal life and they will never perish. No one can snatch them away from me for my father has given them to me and he is more powerful than anyone else. No one can snatch them from the father's hand. This is out of Jesus' own uh, mouth. This is not a, a concept that is like, just kind of made up to make us feel better. This is actually a doctrine that we see in the Bible that secures salvation through Jesus Christ that no one can pull us from his hands. No one can remove us away from that because God is so powerful, God is so good and so righteous. In fact, in Romans, I love how Paul says this here. This is one of my favorite verses in the entire Bible. He says, and I'm convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Nothing that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God. Not even your bad decisions on Friday night, not even that terrible decision in your past, not even the way you treated your kids this morning, not even anything that we can walk through or express in our lives can pull us from him because it's not about you and what you do, it's about God's grace and his power. That is what sustains us. And you'll see a lot of times in churches, there's this, and maybe you grew up with this. I don't know. I don't know where you came from. We have this eternal security that we talk about, but we also have this conditional security that's preached a lot, too. I knew I grew up with this, of like, act right, walk right, do this, or you're not going to make it to heaven. Like, you don't get the treat at the end. Like, that was kind of what was presented. It wasn't presented that crassly, but you know what I'm saying. To where we've talked about how the Bible's showing this eternal security, but if you take isolated instances from the Bible, you can kind of try to make an argument for this conditional security. In, in fact, here's a couple examples. In 1 Corinthians, it says, it is the good news that saves you if you continue to believe the message I told you. So I could take that little piece and be like, conditional, see? If you, if you keep doing this, then you get that. Let's keep going. In Galatians, it says, so let's not get tired of doing what is good. Don't wear out. Try harder. Do more. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if, if, if you don't give up. And a lot of this is rooted in some like Old Testament understanding, so I get where people are coming from. I'm not saying they're stupid, I'm not saying they're bad, they're Christians, they're sinful, they're humans, right? It's there. But if you look at like an Old Testament understanding, how the relationship used to work, because again, that's not, God being holy, us being sinful is not new. It existed forever and in the old testament the way they tried to make that right the way that god set it up to try and make that right which is to kind of set up where jesus comes in is that there was like okay god's holy man's sinful to reconcile that you need to sacrifice things you need to provide some kind of sacrifice to make it good and every week you better make sure you do that because you're going to mess up during the week because you're sinful so they'd come they'd make a sacrifice all is good, they go on to the week, they stub their toe, ah, they say whatever, they treat their kids. Sin, 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 come back, do the sacrifice, it's all good again. Go live. You see what I'm saying? That's kind of the old testament way of thinking. Is I would provide a way to make God happy or okay by providing this sacrifice. So there was a transactional element to it. And what happens is people tried to pull that into this new reality with Jesus, where Jesus says, no, 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 it's about me. It's about what I'm providing for you. It's not about what you can do. These instances are, are shades of that, that reminder of the, the, the old sacrificial system, but there's a lot more context around those passages. In fact, uh, 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 what I want to say is, is this. It's not about how hard you do or how much you try, or or whatever it might be. I, I think it's a good way to think of it that it's like this. That we can persevere in life because God preserves us with the Holy Spirit. At the moment of salvation, we receive this helper, this counselor, this guidance that is the Holy Spirit, who is God. He is God working in and through us. And we can persevere not because we're becoming a stronger Christian, or doing enough things, or I'm reading my Bible more and more, or I'm good enough now. No. You can persevere because God has made a provision for you to preserve you through the Holy Spirit. And this is what we see all throughout the Bible. In Philippians we see it here, this is in chapter two. It says, for God is working in you, the Holy Spirit is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. It's not that when we have that that moment of salvation and and we die to ourselves and we're crucified with Christ and we have this new life that exists now. It's not that you're now perfect and good to go and you're never going to mess up again. No, it's now that that that's happened, that God has provided a way for you, that you now have a helper who's going to help change you to be more and more and more like Jesus. And regardless of your decisions, What we saw Jesus say is, No one can snatch you from my hand. For my Father is the one with all the power. And in Philippians 1, it says it like this And I am certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. This idea of eternal security is not just a hope or a wish or a dream, it's a reality that is paid for and sustained by the Holy Spirit working in and through us. This passage in Galatians, I think, says a lot about our reality with the Holy Spirit. But suppose we seek to be made right with God through faith in Christ, and then we are found guilty because we have abandoned the law. Basically, what happens when I receive salvation and then I mess up? And I'm guilty because I I, I sinned. I I, I turned against God. I did something, whatever. Again, it's not important what it is. It's important that it happened. That's our reality, that we will fail and we will fall. What, what, uh, or would that mean Christ has led us into sin? Absolutely not. It continues on in verse 18 it says, Rather, I am a sinner if I rebuild the old system of law that I already torn down. Remember the old system God's here, we are separated from him because of our sin, and I'm going to bring sacrifice after sacrifice after sacrifice to try and make up for what's happened. You with me? But in our new reality of Jesus existing for us, providing that salvation once and for all. If we continue to try and keep providing our sacrifice, that's, no, what are you doing? That's not what is meant for you. He goes on, for when I tried to keep the law, it condemned me. When I tried to keep up, what happens every time? Because we're guaranteed to mess up. We continue to fall, and I had to offer another one, and I'd fall. What, what happens if I messed up and I died before I got back to my sacrifice? Whoopsies. That's the reality we're trying to create through our works and our doing enough. That's our modern day sacrifices. But he continues, he said, so I died to the law. I stopped trying to meet all of its requirements so that I might live for God. And he concludes it like this in verse 20. He says, my old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. That is how we become more and more like Jesus every day. Not through our striving, not through our trying, not through our trying to be more and more of a better person, but it's through Christ living in us. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That is why we believe we have eternal security in Christ Jesus. Because of God's power and grace is what sustains us, what provides for us. And continues to preserve us day by day by day the holy spirit living in and through us giving us life giving us guidance giving us counsel in fact i want to close by by saying this and this is just kind of a logical thinking statement if you're more of a logical type person think of it like this if we do nothing practically speaking if we do nothing to obtain or earn salvation understand this what the bible the Bible's framework about salvation and eternal security, understanding that if we do nothing to earn or to obtain that, then how can we do anything to lose that? Because the Bible tells us it's not about what you did. And thank God it's not. It's the grace and power of God that sustains us. It's Christ Jesus who provides us a way to be rescued and delivered from the consequence and reality of sin in our lives. So again, I want to read this passage again from John. And I invite you just to read it this week. Whether if you're, if you're a follower Christ, then I encourage you to use this as a way, almost as like a meditation, of reminding you of the goodness that is God in the reality that he saw you as you are and provided a way for you when he didn't have to that his grace and his power sustains you. And if you've never put your faith in Jesus, for whatever hang up it might be, and you might have some really good reasons, and I respect that, I understand that, but I want to tell you that there's not a God who's trying to put his thumb on you. We read earlier in, in, in verse 17 right after this that God sent Jesus not to condemn and judge the world, but to save it, to deliver us, to provide us a way out of our inescapable condition. And it was out of love and His grace and His power that He did that. And that's available for you. That's the reality. That even in your darkest, your hardest, your most difficult circumstances, there's grace and there's life. And in fact, Jesus, again, said it like this. He said, for this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. That you're not left out in the cold, that you're not left to continue to try harder or to be more or to change again or to start something else. Or It's exhausting when you try to make it about who you are and what you're trying to do. So I invite you to to let that burden down. He wants to carry that burden with and for you. And if you want to talk, I'm going to be over in the space right after this. I'd love for you to come chat with me. I'm going to be here all week. I mean, like, we've got Matt's here. We've got Shin. We've got Nicole. We've got a ton of people. We'd love to talk to you more about this because it's not just about feeling a feeling or thinking a thought and then, oh, okay, it's... a. Sometimes it's important to understand the why behind what we believe so we can receive what God's already placed in front of us. Let's pray together. God, we are grateful for your word. God, that you are faithful time and again, not just, God, in what you teach in your word, but God, in our reality, in our experience of who you are. God, would you remind us, those who are walking with and trying to be more like you every day, would you remind us of the power of your spirit, the grace offered to us, We're thankful it's not about us. God, would you you remind us the sweetness of of the first moment we knew of this deliverance from our condition. God, would you remind us the goodness of your grace and your power to sustain us through the Holy Spirit, that we would have confidence that we are held forever in your hand. And God, I pray for everyone who's who's listening who is, is not God, convinced of that truth, God, that they would continue to dig and think and and, and, and God, through your Holy Spirit, that you would move and change them in their hearts and their minds to be more aware of who you are, your love, your grace available to them. God, again, we're grateful for your word. Would you help us to dig deeper into the why behind what we're believing? Because God, you're not afraid of our questions or our concerns, of our doubts. God, would you give us the, just the confidence to take steps and ask questions and to dig further. God, we love you. We pray this in your name.